glorified in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, we're talking on prayer, but I want to just real quick, I see some new faces. We're glad you're here. Welcome. Um, we are still here at Common Ground, what we would call in the, the launch team training phase. So we officially are launching Common Ground Carson on Palm Sunday this year. And there's going to be some stuff building up to that. But at the moment, what we're doing and what we've been doing for a couple months is, is training, focusing on certain things that we believe are important for the church of, of God, for God's church, and specifically for what he would have us do. And, and prayer is at the top of the list. That's why last week and this week we're kicking off 2016 talking about prayer. Um, we are now meeting at 9 o'clock in the morning before church on a Sunday for prayer if you want to come. We had uh, three of us this morning, and it was awesome. Um, but if you want to join that, come to that. That's why we're doing War Room this Thursday, kicking off prayer. We think prayer is a big deal, uh, such a big deal that I believe if, if I personally am not in fervent prayer day to day, uh, what we're going to do is not going to succeed. If we are not corporately praying together, I, I really don't think what we're trying to do is, is going to accomplish much. I think it's that big of a deal. So if you're joining us, uh, there's a lot of podcasts. We have a Common Ground Carson podcast. You can look at that if you're curious to get caught up. We've talked about giving. We've talked about God's purpose for us. We, we've talked about you know why the church, some of those things. So you can check that stuff out. Um, but I tell you that now just to tell you this may be a little different than when we launch. When we launch, we are going to expect new believers coming in. We're going to be expecting that. So, so it's going to look a little bit different at times. We're going to be going through the book of John. Right now, we're kind of hopping around a little bit. So today, it's topical. On prayer, we hop around. In general, I like to go through a book. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go through John um, in a verse-by-verse, verse, but, but in a fun way, with, with topical series put here and there. You know, We need to talk about giving for a couple weeks. We'll do that. We need to talk about marriage. We'll, we'll do that. We'll throw those in. So bear with us. You know, This is, again, still pre-launch. So we're working through kinks. Some of the time, so, you know, some kinks. Up, that's awesome. Wow. Um, I haven't seen that. Was that up last week? Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're working through some kinks. <laughs> um, so bear with us. You know, we, we want to be a church full of grace and patience, and so we ask for some of that. Um, but we're also excited about what God will do. Grab a Bible, if you would. If you're a note taker, real quick, if you're a note taker and you don't have the notes, um, we've got to fill in. Raise your hand if you're a note taker and you want notes. Jenna? Anybody else? Oh, Callie's passing one back to you. Okay, excellent. So we have these. If you're a note taker, if you're not, don't feel like you have to. Um, but these are there for you. Hopefully they're, they're helpful. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We have Bibles in the back, right up here. And these are our gift to you. Take them, write your name on them. I wrote my name on the front. Um, keep them, read them. We are going to be going through the English Standard Version. I'm not going to teach on versions, but somebody last week was going, yeah, I spent forever trying to figure out where you were. We're not New Living, you know, we're not NIV, we're ESV. It's not because this is the best out there, it's just what we're choosing to use, is the English Standard Version. So if you have a phone, and you want to make sure you're in the thing, you know, go to English Standard Version. It's the, it's, Matt says it's the best. <laughs> Debatable, but I like it. Um, <laughs> Let me pray for this message. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we know that one of, our, one of our main activities as we gather is to sit under your teaching. Father, uh, the early church gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, and we do that through your word. The apostles teach us through your word. Jesus, you teach us through your word. 
So, Father, I just pray that you would open up our, our hearts and our minds this morning to see what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to start reading Mark 11. Like I said, we're going to kind of bounce around, and a lot of times the verses will appear up front. So if you don't want to flip through, don't. But if you do, do. That's fine. I'll give you the page number. If you have one of these, it'll help you. Um, but we're going to, I'm just going to read Mark 11 real quick, which is page 586. If you're in one of these, page 586. And Jesus said this to his disciples. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Do you believe that? <laughs> Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, and you actually believe it's going to happen, it'll be done. Do you believe that? that? I mean, that's I started with that because that's kind of an earth-shaking thing. How many times have we prayed for things and they haven't happened? And then we go, well, what's the problem? Is it our faith? Because the Bible says if we ask in faith, it'll happen. So what's, what's going on there? Last week, uh, we spent time, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to look at the podcast. Um, but what we talked about was that prayer unlocks God's power on earth. And so we have this door that's locked, and behind the door is everything we want. You know, we want to see God glorified. We want to see our city evangelized for him. We want to see revival. We want to see healthy marriages, um, healthy families. We want to see all these things. And they're on the other side of this door. And the door opens up God's power on earth. And what we said opens the door is a key. If you can figure out how to use a key. You know, and here's all the things that we want. But the key that opens the power, that unlocks the power of God on earth, is prayer. And so last week, we, we just looked and we tried to prove to you biblically and from, from life events that that's true. Today, what we're doing, today we're looking at Scripture, and we're going to see how can we pray effectively and what hinders our prayers. Um, did anybody see the Facebook video we posted? I'm just curious how many people see those things. Okay. Um, I, sometimes, you know, we'll make videos kind of like teasers. And so I made a video this week uh, about making cookies. And so I, I was making, it was really cheesy, Brendan did the filming. Um, but I was making cookies and, and changing the recipe. I put salt instead of sugar and things like that. Um, you know, I put like beets or something in it um, and then cooked it. And then I gave it to my kids who ate it and went, um, but, but the point was you, you can't do whatever you want in a recipe and think it's going to turn out okay. Um, maybe David Manser can because he knows what goes in. But people like me need to follow the recipe. And it's kind of like that with, with prayer. There is a recipe. There are certain things that need to be part of our prayers if our faithful prayer will be answered. God doesn't just answer any, any person out. So this week, I want us to get that. We're going to look at prayer, how we can pray effectively, and this is really important stuff, and what hinders our prayers. But first, I just want to define prayer for us, and, you know, kind of start with simple. But what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. This is in your notes. It's, it's that simple. Prayer is communication with God. Speaking and listening. Okay, prayer isn't always talking. Sometimes we think in prayer we just have to be talking. A lot of times being silent in prayer is okay. Being prayer in scripture is okay because you're listening. You know, sometimes we, we separate prayer from Bible study when really we can be praying by, by reading through a psalm, by reading through anything, if we're listening while we, we are reading. So prayer is communication with God. And I put this, and it's in your notes. In prayer, we confess sin. 
We give our requests. We intercede for others. We give thanks. Through biblical prayer, God will change our passions and desires to line up with His. We pray both casually, as we go all the time, but then it's also important to pray specifically, to pray corporately, to have times where you alone go in and lock your closet and get on your knees and pray. Prayer is both an obligation, I would say. Okay, it's an obligation, but it's also a, uh, a joy. It's something that we get to do, prayer. Along with time in the Word of God, I'll say this, that prayer is our top priority. Prayer is our top priority other than time in the Word. Put those together. So do we spend time in prayer? I came across this, uh, this quote as I was studying. It was from Charles Spurgeon, and he says this. The minister who does not earnestly pray over his work must surely be a vain and conceited man. He acts as if he thought himself sufficient of himself, and therefore needed not to appeal to God. So if we go about life, and I, I consider us all ministers, just so you know. <laughs> I think we are all ministers for God. Some get paid for it, others don't, but we're all full-time missionaries. Well, we're all full-time ministers. And if we are not going to pray over our work, we are surely vain and conceited because we think we don't need God to do it. So prayer is communication with God. Prayer aligns us with God. But let me say this. Prayer doesn't change God. Okay? Prayer doesn't change God. But in prayer, God does change us. But prayer does initiate God's activity on earth. This is a quote from Vance Pittman we quoted last week. That God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people. God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity on earth to the prayers of his people. Therefore, we don't think we can change God by, by prayer, but we do initiate his activity on earth. His power is unleashed through prayer. This is in your notes based on what, what I read in Mark 11. The prayer offered in faith will be answered. That's what Jesus said. The prayer offered in faith will be answered. And you see this throughout Scripture. In Acts, you see healings. You see prison doors open. You see all kinds of awesome things happen in the book of Acts. Uh, Moses, at one point, God said, I'm going to destroy these Israelites. You know, they're all going their own way. They're worshiping idols. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, I'm going to take you and make you into a great nation. That was God's plan. And Moses prayed that he wouldn't. He said, no, spare them. Let's work on this. And God listened to that prayer of one man and he saved the whole nation. So God knew what he was going to do. You know, did Moses change God? No, but God did respond to Moses' prayer and he spared the whole nation. Uh, Elijah prayed for fire to come from heaven and it did. <laughs> Elijah prayed, and we're going to see this later, that it wouldn't rain and for three and a half years it didn't rain because one man prayed for that. Joshua, in a battle, prayed that the sun would stop in the sky and it did. So that they could finish the battle. Because if the sun went down and they would separate, they couldn't finish off their enemy. So he said, Lord, let the sun stand in the heavens. And it did. So prayer works. Moses, they had a battle. And Moses went up on the mountain. And whenever Moses' arms were up in prayer, the Israelites were winning. But when he got tired and his arms came down, the Israelites were losing. And so he got people on either side to help him hold his arms up in prayer. Prayer is a big deal. Prayer is a big deal. But what I want to start with is what hinders our prayers. Because if this is true, if prayer moves God, if prayer unlocks God's power on earth, why is the American church failing in general? 
This is the only country in the world where the church is not growing. Do you know that? America. The church is on decline. Why? Why do we have 93% unchurched in Carson City? Why? And so we're going to look at that first. What hinders our prayers? What makes the key not work on the door that opens the power of God? So this is in your notes. And again, we're going to skip around to some verses. This is, this is kind of a big picture of what does the Bible teach on prayer. But here's the first one. What hinders our prayers? Number one, not praying. Seems kind of easy, right? But, but not praying. How much time do we really spend in prayer? That's the first one, not praying. And the reason I put this first is, is this was a, a couple months ago, Callie and I had a, have a, a life situation that has been going on for years, and it's very difficult, and, and we are working on it. I'm not going to share exactly what it is to protect the innocent. Um, but we were talking one day, and we said, you know, only God can change the situation. Only God can do this. I think I said that. Only God can do this. And then she said, well, then are we praying about it? Uh. <laughs> it's kind of a slap in the face. If we really believe only God can do anything about the situation, are we fervently praying about this? No, we're not. Then are we surprised that it hasn't changed in years? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a vain and conceited man I am to think I can fix this situation, knowing only God can, and we're not on our knees in prayer about it. So, not praying. I think that's a big deal. Um, Luke 18, 6-7 is a parable of an unrighteous judge. Um, and this unrighteous judge is a, is a woman that keeps coming to him. Uh, there it is. And she keeps appealing to him, you know, give me justice, give me justice. And the judge, the unrighteous judge, said, I don't want to listen to it. But she kept coming persistently until eventually this unrighteous man says, fine, I'll give you what you want. And so Jesus uses that. And he, he says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. But will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? The point in that parable and the point of that verse is God wants us to go to him a lot <laughs> over the same thing. He wants us to be persistent in our prayers. And when we're not, when we're not, it's quite possible we won't be seeing answers. Because if I look at my life, a lot of my prayers are just kind of casual things thrown up. You know, we just throw it up and see what's going to stick. You know, I, I hop in the car to go somewhere. Dear God, please be with my kids. You know, instead of going into my closet, closing the door, getting on my knees, opening up my, my prayer journal, and, and praying for these things, praying in tears for this persistent prayer. We Americans aren't very good at that. We're not very good at that. So not praying. And I think part of it is this, this culture of immediate gratification. We Americans, we want it now, don't we? <laughs> So it's like fast food. You, that's why I go to McDonald's. Not because they're good, because they're the fastest. If I want food, and now I go to McDonald's. Because, whoop, I don't go to the one at Walmart because they're slow. <laughs> but we, we think that prayer can be the same thing. Well, I just, I give my request, boom, and I should have it now. But that's not the way God works. So why, why don't we pray? Because number one, it's not praying. Why don't we pray? A is lack of faith. That's in your notes. I think a lot of times we don't pray because of lack of faith. We don't believe God will actually do it. If we did believe, we would pray more. So that's, that's one of them. Lack of faith. You know, rest. Rest in God. It's not found in knowing things about God, but it's found in placing yourself in His hands. Prayer is where good theology meets action. Where it's, where it's played out. Because prayer is when you know something about God, then you go to prayer with it. So we often don't pray because we don't believe. We lack faith. 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Don't, be, don't worry. He's saying don't worry about anything, but in everything, go to God and give it to him. He'll deal with it, and then you will leave in peace. Why don't, then why aren't we having peace? Because we're not going and we're not leaving it with him. Just do it. Just go and leave it there. Leave your problems and he'll handle it. And we can have peace. And our faith will grow through that. Now, B, I put, why don't we pray more? And this is still under number one. You know, why, why don't we see the answers? Because we're not praying. The second one is, is time. Busyness. Lack of time. I think if we took a poll in here and we said, why don't you pray more? Almost all of us would say lack of time. We're too busy. We're too busy. You know, I, I have a 17, he's 16, almost 17, 17-year-old. They're busy. You guys are busy. Well, Logan's not busy. We get out of school early to go skiing. But a lot of students are... That's busy. That's busy. That's important. Yeah. But, but we're busy. Students are busy. We adults are busy. We get up. We get on the bus to go to school or we go to work. You know, we go. We work all day. We come home at 5 o'clock. You know, we get dinner ready, we eat, then we have soccer practice or basketball practice, then hopefully some quality time, and then we have to go to bed. And I mean, there's all these other things I didn't mention. When do we have time to pray? We're busy people, and while that's true, let me say this, we make time for what matters. We make time for what's important to us. So if you're not praying because you're too busy, guess what? Prayer is obviously not a priority. And that needs to change. I'm not going to tell you how to do it in your life. But I would say probably morning. You know, I found that to be most effective. Maybe it's just getting up 15, 20 minutes earlier, an hour earlier. George Mueller, and I quoted this last week, he was a missionary. He said, one hour of prayer followed by four hours of work yields more than five hours of labor. <coughs> one hour of prayer followed by four hours of work yields more than five hours of labor. And his point is we don't pray. Those of us who claim we're too busy to pray don't understand how much time is saved through prayer. Meaning the things that you go about doing and worrying about, if you prayed about them, they might happen quicker, <laughs> more efficiently, more effectively. So busyness is not, it's not valid. I'm just going to kind of bash that down. If you say you're too busy, that's, that's, that doesn't work. Sorry. Um, but now we're, let's go back. What hinders our prayers? One, not praying. But here's two. What hinders our prayers? Sin, open rebellion, blatant disobedience. And I would add one more on there, unforgiveness. If you have people in your life you're not forgiving, these things are going to hinder your prayers. That's right. Sin, open rebellion. I, I, I've spoken to people, I've had people say this to me, God just doesn't listen to me, he doesn't answer my prayers. So well, tell me about your time with him. Tell me, well, I don't go to church, I don't like Christians, I don't like my Bible. And, you know, but they think they can live however they want, and God should do whatever they want. He's the genie in the bottle. But the truth is, sin hinders our prayers. Let me read to you. John 15, I'm just going to read 7 through 10, and that's going to be up here, I believe. John 15, 7 through 10. Jesus says this, if you abide in me, that means live in, remain in. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the Bible, okay? You need to know his words. So you abide in me, you live by him, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Okay, here, the second time we've seen today, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So just look at these verses. He says, ask whatever you wish, and you'll get it. But there's some stipulations in there. What are they? That you're abiding in Jesus, and that his words are abiding in you. Meaning, you're living with him, you're, you're chasing after him, and you know what he wants. You, you know, you're learning what he wants. Then, what will happen? Now, here's, here's one that, that some people would have a problem with. How do you abide in Jesus' love? What's Jesus say? Somebody tell me, how do you abide in his love based on those verses? Keep his commandments. Obedience is part of how we abide in his love. So, if we are abiding in him, and his words abide in us, that means that we are being as obedient. We're not perfect, okay? Don't think that, that if you ever have a sin, he's not going to hear your prayers. That's not the point. This is talking about blatant disobedience, continual disobedience. This is talking about, I'm going to live my own way, but pursue you also, God. This isn't talking about the things we stumble with day in and day out, because we do. This type of disobedience, this is talking about, I'm, I hear what you're saying, I'm not going to do that, I'm going my own way. But if we obey, okay, if we have a lifestyle of obedience, that means we believe what he's saying, we're abiding, our prayers will be answered. Do you, do you get that? I hope you see, I want to, again, scripture is our authority, not Derek, <laughs> not any other pastor, not something, scripture is the authority. So if I say it, I want to back it up. And I want you to question everything I say or question anything anybody else ever says with Scripture. So, number two, sin, open rebellion, blatant disobedience. That first verse that I quoted to you uh, that we looked at in Mark, that was Mark 11. And what I did not read to you was Mark 11.25, which followed that. After he says, have faith, ask for whatever you want, you get it. He says, and whenever you stand praying forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that, condition, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. We are forgiven people, therefore we are forgiving people. If God has forgiven you, what will you not forgive others? I mean, seriously. <laughs> and if you're holding on to grudges and unforgiveness, I'll tell you, that hinders your prayers. That's why he says, if you come to the you come to offer a sacrifice to God, and you realize you've got somebody, something against somebody, there's a relational thing there, unforgiveness, stop your sacrifice. I would say stop your prayer, go deal with it, and then come back. Come back to the altar. Unforgiveness. <laughs> the picture that I got of uh, the person that's not abiding, that's not you know abiding in God and, and living in Him and being obedient, but yet still wants their prayers answered, is the college student that only calls when they need something. You know, some of us have kids in college, some of us were kids in college. Do they only call when they want money? <laughs> you know, the phone rings, you see what it is, and are like, oh, what do they want? They're not calling just to touch in, but they're calling just when they need something. Um, Kara sent me a, a quote yesterday that's perfect. A uh, quote from Corey Tin Boom. It says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I thought that's really good. Is prayer your steering wheel, meaning you're going through life, and through prayer you're connecting with God, abiding in Him, and He's guiding you. Is prayer your steering wheel, or your spare tile, where you're just driving wherever you want, pop tire, darn it, i got to put, okay, finally I'll go to prayer when I have to. I thought that was really good. Is prayer your steering wheel, or your spare tire? So, there it is, number two. Sin, open rebellion, blatant disobedience. Three, what else hinders our prayers? Three, this is maybe the biggest one, other than not praying. Maybe. 
Wrong motives. Wrong motives. James 4, 3 and 4 says this. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And actually verse 2 right there before that, he says you don't have because you don't ask. So James addresses the whole you're not praying, so you're not getting what you want. So you don't have because you're not asking. Ask, ask, I want to give to you. He says, and when you do ask, you're not getting what you ask for because you have wrong motives. And what are the motives James says that they have? Their own passions, their own pleasures. And then he talks about the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Listen, this is a big deal. Do you want what the world wants? And are you praying for what the world says you should have? Do you get this? Are you praying for money because you want to be comfortable? I'm not saying it's bad to pray for money. I'm really not. But what's your motive? Is it so you can have stuff? Guess what? That's a wrong motive. Are you praying for money because you genuinely, in your heart, you want to be financially free? You want to be able to give. Well, you know what? That's a valid prayer. That's a valid motive because your prayer is for his kingdom and his glory. And then as he gives you money, you use it for what you told him you were going to use it for. <laughs> you know, you send, it, you send it out and you use it. But what are we praying for? When I was in sixth grade, I was praying that my girlfriend would marry me. <laughs> and I remember these prayers. I prayed fervently, okay, like, like a woman. I prayed fervently. God, let us always be together, and then when we graduate high school, get married and have lots of kids and have them follow you. You know, God didn't answer that prayer. You know, that was a selfish prayer. That was a silly prayer. Um, but, but we prayed, and, but, but okay, say not a sixth grader. Say someone in their early 20s praying for a man. What's the motive there? Again, that might not be a bad prayer, but if you're praying for somebody to fulfill you, that's the wrong prayer. Because God should fulfill you. So, so the motive. You know, I, we could beat this one over and over. I don't want to, though. Check your motives, okay? Um, are we praying for, for kingdom purposes? Now, transition. How can we pray effectively? Okay, I think we covered all that. Did I miss one? I don't think so. Um, so now, how can we pray effectively? And to a certain extent, some of this is just the opposite of what we just talked about. But how can we pray effectively? Um, last week, Lydia and I um, were in her bed. She was going to sleep. And I don't remember what came before this conversation, but we were laying there. And I said, you know, sweetie, what we really want is we want to do what God wants. So the closer we get to God, the, the more than, that we will pray for not what we want, but what he wants, and then we'll get those things. So I said, we, you know, we want to be dead to self. Galatians 2.20, from my favorite verse, I am crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I, I told her, we want to want what he wants, not what we want. And she said, well, she corrected me. She said, except for when we want the same thing. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> you're exactly right, except for when we want the same thing. And so... Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lydia knew the scripture, maybe without even knowing the scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you want every prayer to be answered? Then find your delight in God, and it will happen. Because then when you go to pray, you're delighting in him, and you're praying for what he wants, and he wants to give you what he wants and by the way, that's best for you. So this, this all works out. But what do you delight in? 
Seriously, what do you delight in? Do you delight in what the world delights in? Or do you delight in God? <laughs> delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So that's the first one. Number two is pray persistently. And by that I have Luke 11, 5 through 8. Luke 11, 5 through 8. You can look that up later this week. Um, that may be one of our midweek podcasts, by the way. We're doing a midweek podcast. They're going to be five or six minutes long. We did our first one this week. Um, and for the next two months, they're going to be about prayer. And the reason we're doing that is to help encourage you and give you the tools to learn how to pray. Many of us don't know how to pray, you know, or we just don't do it. And so we want to encourage you and do that. So this may be one of our midweek podcasts. Look, look for that. But in Luke 11, 5 through 8, it's the same theme as what we looked at before with the unrighteous judge. But here, a neighbor goes to the neighbor's house. You know, a, a visitor comes. You know, a friend comes into town and staying with them. And so they go to the neighbor's house and they knock and say, hey. Somebody just came from out of town, they're hungry, and I have nothing to feed them. Will you give me some bread? And the neighbor's are like, I'm in bed right now. I took my shoes off, it's cold out, I'm staying in bed. And they just keep knocking, please, 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 you know, my guest is hungry, get down, give me some food, I know you have bread in there. And eventually, because they're so persistent, they get down, okay, go away, here's the food. But the whole point in that parable is that that's what God wants us to do with him. Not that he is a selfish, unrighteous judge or a selfish neighbor that doesn't want to give, he wants us to be persistent. Okay, so pray persistently, persistently. If there's something that you want, if there, there's something you want to see God do, don't pray about it once if it's going to happen. Daily, go daily. Be consistent by, by giving those petitions to him. Pray persistently. And then number three, check your motives. Check your motives. That's based on, on James that we already looked at. Check your motives. What are your motives? And be honest. Be honest with yourself. And I've done this. I've prayed for something. Check my motive. Change my prayer. That's okay to do. <laughs> you know, even confess. God, my motives were wrong. Check your motives. Are they for you selfishly or for the kingdom purposes? Check your motives. And then number four is pray specifically. This one's interesting. Pray specifically. Often, I don't pray specifically, and I'll tell you why, because I lack faith, and I don't want to presume on God. If I pray specifically, God, I want it to happen this way, you know, I'm telling God how to do it. And, and so there's, there's some validity to that. Be careful that you're not presuming on God. You know, here's what you want, and God wants that too, and you're praying that it happens this way, but God wants to do it a different way. There needs to be the freedom, but also pray specifically. Is there somebody in your life that doesn't know Christ, that you want to know him? You get on your knees and you pray specifically that that person will come to know him. Um, here's one example. And this is also in James 5, 16 through 18. It says this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. Specifically, Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. Kingdom purposes. This was not selfish reasons. Prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months... It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I encourage you to look up that story, because it's pretty amazing, <laughs> of how Elijah went about that prayer. But he prayed specifically for something to happen. There's a church in Ohio, and they do kind of an evangelistic service uh, once a year. And this was, I believe, a couple of years ago. And so they have three or four services at this church. It's a larger church. And so they were praying and fasting that's going to be a midweek podcast. Listen to that. If you don't know anything about fasting, which most of us don't, 
listen to them, but this church in Ohio, they would pray and fast, at least their leadership would, and they'd bring whoever else into it, pray and fast for a whole week leading up to this evangelistic service. So the, the Sunday comes, and they have their services, and at the end of the third service, they said, you know, the first service, maybe a couple people responded with salvation. You know, the second service, maybe a couple more. And so it's kind of like, oh, oh. they're kind of nervous. After the third service, four men rushed up to the pastor, and they said, how many, how many? And these were the guys who had been praying, or some of those who had been praying and fasting. And he said, how many, how many? Meaning, how many were saved? And, you know, the pastor joking, how many what? What are you talking about? Said, Come on, how many? And the pastor responded, he said, how many were you praying for? They said, 50. He said, you should have prayed for 51. <laughs> they were praying specifically for 50, and that day 50 people gave their lives to Christ. They had their specific prayer answered. Now, I'll be honest, I struggled with that a little bit. Are we presuming on God to say 50? <laughs> you know, how many should we pray? How many people? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I just tell you, these men were praying for 50. They got 50. God said, you should have prayed for 51. One who would have prayed for 200. Who knows what God would do? But are we praying specifically? Are we praying specifically? And we're going to start working on this together as a body. When we get together on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, again, join us. We're going to pray specifically for things. And then when they happen, holy cow, that's going to be exciting. But we're going to pray specifically. So here's, here's our application. This, and and we're, we're done. We're going to close in one more song. But our application is this. Are you praying? It's the same application I, I gave last week. Are you praying? And now we got some of the nuts and bolts of prayer. Take this. Uh, last week I said commit to pray for 10 minutes a day. And I know, talking to some through the week, that's hard for some of us. You know, we, we lose concentration. <laughs> uh, ten minutes is a long time. I start thinking about these other things. I would say, try praying out loud. You know, for me, when I, when I start doing it, I pray out loud, and that brings me back. But there's keys on the back, and last week we handed out keys. Key, the key to unlock God's power on earth and in our lives and in this church is prayer. So take a key, if you didn't get one last week, to remind yourself to pray. Put it somewhere. Uh, Sherry made some pillows out back, you know, that you're in the back with a key on it, talking about prayer. Uh, some have made necklaces out of them already. I know some kids went home and they have them hanging on their walls. But the key is just a reminder to pray. And then I would say this, take these notes, okay? Take these notes and look at it. Am I praying specifically? Okay, is there sin in my life that would be hindering my prayer? Open rebellion, you got to deal with that. And maybe that should come to me or somebody else to confess that sin. We have a ladies' group that meets Tuesdays at 10. It's a place you can do that. We have a men's group that meets Tuesday nights from 7 to 9. That's a place you can, we confess sin. You can come and you can do that there. Check your motives. And then do it. And then do it. Let's pray. Let's pray effectively. We're going to close with one more song. Um, one of the things, so music team, you can come on up. <laughs> We're going to close with one more song. But one of the things that I've been convicted on somewhat is part of worship. You know, we get together. We're worshiping with our minds, right? We're learning. We're worshiping with our hearts as well as we, as we sing. But one of the big ways that we worship is through giving. And I'm uncomfortable saying that. I'll just kind of admit. I'm uncomfortable if you're saying, hey, worship through your giving. There's the box. Go give. Um, but we're trying to make it easy. You can give online. But it's true. We taught on giving before Christmas. If you want to listen to that podcast, I strongly encourage it. Because giving is one of those things. It's how we bring our sacrifices. We bring a sacrifice of praise. But also, when we put our money and our stuff, and we give that to God, that is an act of worship. That is one of our most significant acts of worship, our money and our time, is what I would say. 
And so I, I want to get in the habit of encouraging us to worship through our giving. Uh, we're about to have a giving app. It'll probably be next week, which you, it's really easy to do on your phone. Um, there's definitely that in the back. Um, but during this time, as we close in worship, pray and even pray about your giving. You know, and, and maybe consider what you are already giving and just think about that. Do, do you realize? Just think about this is a sacrifice to you, God. But we want to worship through giving as well. So let me pray. And then we'll close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can pray. God, um, we, just, we just had a lot of information there. <laughs> Father, the, the, the danger is, is information overload. But Father, I pray that we would meditate on that this week. That we would take these notes home. That we would look back at these verses that we skimmed over today. And we would examine, are we praying? And are we praying in line with your word, God? And are we praying faithful prayers? And I ask, I beg of you, please, Holy Spirit, convict us to pray. Put us on our knees. Lead us to prayer. Father, and if we're not doing it, then, then make us do it somehow. Father, because I believe it's that significant. We need to pray. We need to pray. And show us, convict us. When we're not praying in line with your word, convict us. Father, and I, I pray now for our, our giving as well. Whether, whether we're called to do that here, whether you are leading us to do that elsewhere, Father, I just ask that you would be in our giving, that we would be faithful to worship you by giving our, our money back to you, our stuff back to you. Again, whether that be in a church, whether that be elsewhere as well, missionaries, uh, poor in our neighborhoods, God, it's important that we are giving to you. So be honored, be glorified in our voices, in our giving, in our minds and our hearts. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen.